everyone. My name is Megan, and I'm the co-founder of Leone. Welcome to our podcast, The Skin Interview. If you're unfamiliar with Leone, we are the virtual skincare consultancy service, or your holistic skincare support system, changing the way you shop for skincare for good. Cutting through the beauty BS, we help to decode each of your unique skin needs and help you to build a bespoke routine that actually works. We like to think of it as skincare led by understanding, not hype. The Skin Interview is a podcast for the skin curious. Each week, we interview skin experts, brand founders, and the beauty industry's best on skin subjects that really matter, bringing you up to speed on trending topics and confusing skin concepts, as well as taking a deep dive into brands we truly rate. It's simple. Get to know your skin better, and you'll be able to make better choices for it. And you probably know this by now, but just a little reminder never hurts. We're not tied to any brands or retailers, and we're not paid to promote, so you can be sure that our opinions and recommendations are totally unbiased. Plus, it also means we're not afraid to ask the hard questions. In this episode, I am joined by Laura Murphy, who is the Medical Marketing Manager at CeraVe. We deep dive into dermatology, science, and ceramides, and what they actually are. We're also going to be unboxing a few of their products. One of my favorite cleansers, the Hydrating Cleanser from CeraVe, their Moisturizing Lotion, and the SA Cream. So I hope that you guys enjoy. Great. So hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Skin Interview. I'm Megan Felton, the co-founder of Leone, and today we have a very special guest joining us. It is Laura Murphy from CeraVe, and we're going to be talking about something that I think is not as talked about as it should be, which is ceramides, and that is in regards to dermatology, science, and the skin. So we're going to talk a little bit, too, about the skin barrier. So Laura, I'm going to hand it over to you to introduce yourself and a little bit about your background, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Megan. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, so yeah, I, I work as a medical marketing manager for CeraVe. Um, you can probably tell from my accent, I am Irish. So I started my skin career um, in Ireland 10 years ago with L'Oreal, and I worked with uh, La Roche-Posay, with Vichy. Um, I moved over here three years ago, and I continue to work with La Roche-Posay, but I now have the pleasure of also working with uh, CeraVe. So in terms of my role, um, majority of what I do is look after medical communications. So any of our communications that go out to healthcare professionals, so dermatologists, GPs, nurses, and that general community, um, it basically, uh, I, I help with these communications and, and how we talk to doctors. That's incredible. So do you, because it must be pretty technical, so you must have learned so much working with brands like this and especially with CeraVe. I say CeraVe. Am I pronouncing it wrong? Is it CeraVe? I've said it wrong my whole life. Oh, it's okay. We actually, you know, funny, we did have this conversation internally and we actually, we all sat in a room and we're like, which is it? CeraVe, CeraVe. Um, we're inclined to say CeraVe because I don't want to give anything away and we're going to have a big reveal as to where it got its name. But essentially it's made up of ceramides and something called MVE technology. So when we bring these two words together, it kind of makes CeraVe for us. But, you know, we'll take it in whatever way it comes. Therapy's not fussy. It's pretty much what it says in the tin. Exactly. You know, I love that because actually with our brand name, so Leon, Leone, it's, it is what you want to say, you know, it's how you want to say it. So I am really here for that. And I am probably going to just continue to say CeraVe because I'm American. And actually, I've known about this brand for a very long time, even though it's relatively new here in the UK, um, which is interesting. And I want to get into that brand story a little bit more. Let's talk about it now because we've, we've kind of talked about where CeraVe um, comes from. So tell me more about the brand and when it was kind of you know started and all of that, because I would love to know a little bit more background because with brands 
like CeraVe that kind of don't have a face behind them or a founder necessarily that we know about, it's great to know the story because someone started it somewhere that was passionate about the skincare industry and that was very clever. So let's hear more. For sure. I actually had the pleasure of meeting um, Professor Christopher Hensby um, a couple of years ago when we launched it in, in, in the UK in 2017. Uh, sorry, 2018, we launched in the UK. Um, and he uh, was a very interesting guy. And at the time of uh, CeraVe's conception, he was actually VP for R&D. Uh, for research and development so he was it was really fascinating to, to hear from him sort of the story about how it came to be and he essentially was saying that you know we had long acknowledged that it's the skin barrier is really very important in terms of keeping the skin barrier in good condition is extremely important to help prevent skin problems skin pathologies and it's very important that any formulations that are created will respect the skin barrier. And he said that, you know, we don't need to get too crazy about the ingredients we're using. You know, let's let's use a lot of what the skin already has and needs more of. So, you know, the likes of ceramides, for example, um, niacinamide, et cetera, hyaluronic acid. But um, what he wanted to focus on was the delivery mechanism. And that's where basically the, the MVE or the multivesicular emulsion technology came to be. And so that's sort of where, where the idea came from. So basically they said it's, it's all well and good having a fantastic moisturizer, but really we want the ingredients to be delivered into the skin um, as, as potently as possible. And one of the really interesting um, stats he dropped that just nearly floored me when he said that because of this delivery system, we actually get four times more ingredients into the skin than in a traditional um, emulsion. So I found that really interesting. And obviously that's really what makes the CeraVe difference, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that focus from the very beginning on the skin barrier and not overcomplicating things is critical because this is actually a brand that we recommend. Um, obviously, we're not tied to CeraVe at all or anything like that, or you know, we're not paid to promote brands. And so with us, one of the reasons that we recommend it so frequently is that it respects the skin barrier. And really for many different skin types and different skin concerns, there is, for example, a cleanser or a moisturizer that can be suited that's going to be simple and help us to strip back the routine without overwhelming the skin. So that's one of the reasons why we love it. So I'm you know, very interested to hear that that was from the very beginning before skin barrier was a sexy thing to talk about, which now it's much more important. We have much more of a focus on it these days, um, You know that it was at the forefront of the brand's mind. So I think that's a very interesting story. And so when these two work together, these two ingredients, the CeraVe and the MBE, which is, it's that pat patented technology, what's patented to you guys? What's like super unique to CeraVe? So basically, well, the, the way that this ingredient is used in, in this formulation is is unique. So, I mean, it's it's derived from a salt with a really long fancy name, bentramonium methosulfate, don't worry about it. But basically, it's the, the mechanism of action when combined with this formulation is what makes it unique and patented to, um, to CeraVe. And uh, it took me a few goes to sort of like really dissect, like you say, part of my job is to really dissect the really scientific information. And, and the best way I guess I can describe it is... If you could imagine um, a traditional emulsion, it basically holds all of the active ingredients, suspends all the active ingredients in, in its emulsion. And um, when applied to the skin, it's called quick burst technology. The emulsion bursts and releases the ingredients into the skin. By contrast, what we have in MVE or multivesicular emulsion technology, the clue is kind of in the name, you have these concentric circles. Um, so you almost have like an emulsion inside an emulsion, inside an emulsion, inside an emulsion, etc. So it's like layers of an onion with little cocktail onions inside each layer, if that makes sense. So what essentially is happening is you're getting a slow release delivery of the ingredients into the skin over time. 
And that's why, for example, in the most recent publication we had um, there last year, it's something called the Restore Study done by Professor Mike Cork um, from Sheffield University in the UK here, actually. He showed that like the, the superiority of its um, hydrating abilities over 24 hours. And this is because of this, this um, MVE technology. So really, that's that's the key. That's the CeraVe difference. Um, and then obviously combined with, with these other uh, ingredients, ceramides, hyaluronic acid, niacinamide, et cetera, really helps. So the MVB, MVE, now I'm going to get all mixed up. Even You said the long salt name. I can't even say MVE. Um, so this is actually the technology of the way that it's delivered rather than a separate ingredient. Is that correct? Exactly. Yes. Yes. It, it contributes to it. As you know, in, in a formulation, it's hard to sometimes, it's how it, how it all comes together. That's so interesting because that can be confusing too. You know, you're thinking, okay, MBE technology, that MBE, is this something, you know, it, it's it's all of this is very confusing. I think if you're just learning to read labels, for example, if you're just learning about skincare ingredients. So that's a really interesting way. And I like the onion analogy because it, it, it's in my mind now. It's very visual. So it's the way that it basically goes into the skin. And we don't like to use the word penetrate. I've noticed that you haven't used the word penetrate either um, because that like that word typically, I guess, can be confusing. And so where does it actually go in the skin? Because people say penetrate the skin. Um, maybe it is in the vocabulary that you guys use, but what does it mean when it goes into the skin? Like where does it go? So it means that the skin is is ready to accept it, you know? So um, the way I, I kind of liken it sometimes is when we think about, uh, we, we call them skin identical ceramides. You might've heard this um, used before as well. And it basically means that when we put an, um, an ingredient on the skin, that the skin recognizes it, it goes, oh yeah, I like that one. I know what to do with it and I know where to put it, you know? So when we look at, in the case of a compromised skin barrier, it's often associated with um, deficiencies in the uh, core ingredients of the, the brick and mortar analogy. If we think of that up layer of skin with the corneocytes and the um and the lipid lamellae that surround them so sometimes i like i like to use this very simple analogy called bricks and mortar so if we think of it like a a wall and your corneocytes are your bricks and your mortar is the is the the fatty um cement in between that um, we know that in in cases of people that have um skin problems so whether it's um eczema atopic dermatitis psoriasis um acne um rosacea um and even like aging um xerotic skin um, they tend to be deficient in ceramides. So essentially, when we uh, bring along this ingredient, we can put help put the ceramides in and help kind of fill out the gaps in between um, the in that mortar between the bricks, and therefore strengthen the skin barrier. And that's what it's all about. Exactly. So that's where it's going, and that's where it's it's helping that that actual skin barrier. Um, and so I think that because sometimes when people are thinking like, oh yeah, it's penetrating my skin, like that it's going deeper, deeper. It's not necessarily about going deeper, deeper for something like this. It's about making sure that that skin barrier is respected and that it's helping to strengthen it and do what it's meant to do. Because I think what people tend to forget is that our skin barriers function. Actually, one of the main, main functions is to protect us. It's that barrier, actually. It, you know, it's, it really protects our skin from infection, from inflammation, all these different, you know, external and internal irritants, for example. You know, I have rosacea. So even my, the food that I eat can be a, a, a trigger for a compromised skin barrier. So I think that we just have to remember that skin barrier needs ingredients like ceramides and that will respect it. You know, it's not always all about stimulation or exfoliation. It's it's also about making sure the skin is healthy. And so, so you've mentioned that this kind of bricks and mortar in terms of our skin barrier and what's holding everything together and what's really important. But what actually is in the bricks and mortar and specifically with ceramides, what are they? Because I think that, that can be really confusing and it's a term that's thrown around a lot. 
Yeah, really good question, actually. Um, so essentially, like this, uh, this mortar is made up of, of ceramides, of cholesterol, of fatty acids. And when we say um, ceramide, we're talking basically about um, it's, it's essentially like long chain fatty acids. So you've got a fatty acid and a sphingosine combined with this um, amide bond, essentially. But this is, this is what a ceramide is. But there are 13 different classes of ceramides and over 300 different species. So um, there are loads of them out there. The three that we've chosen for CeraVe specifically um, are ones that we have chosen for all relating to helping to reinforce the skin barrier, essentially. So ceramides 1, 3 and 6-2. Um, one other little interesting thing I, I find sometimes, just because I'm, I'm a total nerd for science like this, but, um, you know, when you see a, a newborn baby or anyone out there who's fortunate enough to held, have held a brand new baby, um, they have this sort of like cheesy coating on them. Uh, it's, it's properly known as the vernix. So this is actually a coating on their skin that's basically made up of fatty acid, cholesterol and ceramides. And quite interestingly, why this is there is to protect the skin barrier because essentially they're in a liquid environment in their mum. So it kind of helps them to stop like the skin to, to not perish inside. So um, so this is like a, um, an example of that sort of um, that mortar existing slightly outside the skin to have that extra protective function as well. Oh my gosh, I did not know that because I knew I didn't know that that's what that was. That's so interesting. And so, yeah, and then I guess it just kind of goes away over time because obviously we don't need... That well, we probably could use that extra protection with all the solution and everything that's out there now. But that's so interesting. And I think ceramides now are all ceramides the same or are they different? No, they're they are different. Um, they'll have slightly different functions. Um, so and and it just depending on how they're they're bound, etc. The three in particular that we use, I mentioned ceramide one. Um, its primary function, although there'll, there'll be many different ones, is to help reinforce lipid bilayers specifically. Ceramide three really helps with like improving long-term moisturization, and then ceramide six, with specifically we use six two, is part of the natural moisturizing factor. So um, part of our, our normal this way our skin will normally help to nourish itself so we're basically we know that in patients with or in people with like defective skin barriers that ceramides um are are deficient so anything from sort of atopic dermatitis eczema um psoriasis acne and then just as skin ages we tend to um lose ceramides and the the reason we've chosen these three in particular is because these seem to be the ones that are affected most commonly by many of the the skin um impairments i just mentioned yeah, exactly. So they're very, very important for those who have a compromised skin barrier. And I think that I think that just highlighting that they're different is important because also peptides is another, we're not even going to go into peptides, but peptides is thrown around a lot and they're they're not all the same either. And so knowing that ceramides and peptides both are, they're different types and also there's different qualities within each as well. So like some are, are higher quality, um, probably just more expensive as well to formulate with. And then, you know, others aren't. And so I think that that's just a really, really interesting thing to talk about what's, you know, which ceramides are in, in your product. So yeah, I want to talk a little bit about where people can really go wrong is their cleansing step. So I want to talk about your kind of different cleansers, and then we're going to go into unboxing the products too, that we want to talk about in this episode. But first, can we just talk about like why cleansing is so important and how you can really do some damage if you get it wrong because you guys have great cleansers for pretty much every single kind of skin type that you might have so well firstly I really like what you were saying there about um, you know understanding the skin barrier is really key when it comes to understanding your skin because your, your skin barrier will talk to you you know it'll tell you when you're feeling uncomfortable or a bit tight or, or dehydrated etc and um, fundamentally 
what we want to try and do is fortify the skin barrier to do its work. You know, essentially, we don't need to like replace it or do anything else. We want to make it stronger so it can do what it's meant to do best, which is keep outside things out and inside things in. You know, So, for example, stop irritants from getting in, etc. Um, and like, you know, it has multifunctions like it's our microbial barrier. It's our sun barrier. It's our physical barrier. Um, so we've it, it has a lot to do. And it's important that we, we kind of fuel it as best as, as possible. So you make a very good point when it comes to cleansing. Um, it is obviously, it's a very important part of our routine to cleanse away um, the day, cleanse off the likes of sun protection, of makeup, etc. Um, but sometimes we go a little bit too far and we, we overstrip the skin. And I know from having spoken to people with like with oily skin, they they strive for this like squeaky clean tight feeling after they've uh, they've exfoliated 45 times and, and cleansed and they just feel like, oh yeah, now it's really, really clean. But what I often say to, and actually I have an interesting statistic, 30% of people in the UK believe that that feeling of tightness is what you're meant to feel after cleansing, you know, and, and yeah. you and I both know that that's absolutely not the case. You know, it's important that the skin feels comfortable after cleansing. Um, and I think it tends to be something that happens in people who have who are on the oily skin um, side of the spectrum because they really just want to get rid of this oil off their skin. But sometimes I kind of give this this description of being somebody with oily skin. Um, they can be a little bit like a one trick pony in the sense that this is their imbalance in the skin, just like somebody with dry skin or dehydrated skin, their imbalance falls in, in, in the other direction. But in the case of oily skin, if the skin is uncomfortable, it produces more oil. The skin is stressed, it produces more oil. So if we cleanse and cleanse and strip and make it feel really dehydrated, guess what we're going to do? <laughs> going to produce more oil. So we're going to have a rebound oil production, essentially. So uh, this is sort of an understanding that balance is, is absolutely key to, um, to successful cleansing. Exactly. And I think that really you set yourself up to fail if you get your cleanser wrong. Um, because you're completely, you're swimming upstream from that point. And I, I really think that one of the biggest changes that people see in their skin is when we recommend they change their cleanser, which I would say nine times out of 10, we are because people just, again, most people do like to feel clean after they cleanse, which makes sense, but there is a way to feel clean without feeling stripped. So can, let's go into the hydrating cleanser because I want to unbox that one. This Hydrating cleanser is one that I use. It's my kind of um, reset product. So for example, if I have had a reaction, if I am feeling extra sensitive, um, then I will go back to this one. It's one that I always have on hand. Our kind of audience will know that one of my favorite cleansers is the Exuviance Gentle Cleansing Cream, but that one does have PHAs in it. So those are gentle exfoliants. So for times when I'm even more reactive, uh, or having, for example, um, contact dermatitis on my eyes, which I get, this is a cleanser that I can use that's even more gentle than than that, just to give people kind of a point of reference. So talk to me about this cleanser. I know that just from my point of view, it is kind of like gel. It's not creamy. It's not creamy, creamy. It feels a little bit jelly-like, but it doesn't foam up. So can you just talk to me a little bit more about this cleanser and also how, you know, who should be using it and why it's good for those skins? So this is an excellent cleanser for anyone who has sensitive skin, like you described in your own case, where you're kind of reactive, intolerant, maybe a bit prone to redness. Also, anyone who has dry, sensitized, maybe suffering also from atopic dermatitis, like eczema or something like that. Any of those kind of broken, um, damaged skin barriers, this is a really gentle cleanser that can absolutely be used, as, as you said, in cases where um, the skin is extra sensitized or on the attack <laughs> sometimes. Um, and so essentially, why is it so good? Well, it has... Um, obviously the ceramides in it, MV technology, but it also has hyaluronic acid and glycerin, 
which are lovely hydrating humectant ingredients. So that's why we feel so so refreshed and hydrated after using it. Um, in terms of cleansing agents, it's SLL that it uses as opposed to SLS, which can sometimes be irritating, particularly for broken or dry, irritated skin. Um, and it will effectively still remove dirt and oil and grit and makeup, et cetera, from the face. But what's lovely is you're left with that nice um, hydrated feeling after having used it. Um, it can also be used on the body as well if needed, um, or even on the scalp for anyone who has very, very, um, sensitized skin there as well. That's really good to know about the scalp as well, because we have a lot of clients who have psoriasis on their scalp and really can't, they cannot figure out what to put on their, on their scalp. And so that's a really interesting one. And if you have flaking scalp as well, you can really get into that hairline too. So that's a really good point. One question that I have about this cleanser. So sometimes with the cleanser, like because you don't have the squeaky clean feeling, you may feel like, ooh, do I still have stuff on my skin? So what are you what should you feel like after you use it? Should you feel squeaky clean? Should you feel like you have a little bit of a film because that's helping your skin barrier? What should it feel like? Yeah, um, that's a really good question. And it's it's very down to everybody, uh, how, how they react to it, essentially, in terms of what how their skin is left. But you shouldn't feel tight and you shouldn't feel like a squeaky, uh, clean feeling. Um, what you should feel is similar to what you've said, a kind of a hydrated and nourished feeling. And that's because of the, the formulation that's in it designed to nourish your skin. So it is a little bit like a two for one. Um, what I can say, what I do say to people sometimes, Sometimes if you really feel that it feels like that, you can take a damp cotton pad and maybe just remove a bit of excess where you might need it, for example, in an oily T-zone, for example, if, if that's something that you'd like to do before applying your, your nighttime or your, your daytime moisturizer or whatever. Um, but generally, it's absolutely fine to feel that kind of slightly hydrated um, kind of film on the skin afterwards. Yeah, that's good to know. I think that that's definitely something that if you are new to using, like if you've been using a foaming cleanser and then you come to us and we're like, ooh, it's time to get, you know, say goodbye to the squeaky clean feeling. It's something that you might not be used to. So for example, for those of you who maybe do feel like they have a film afterwards, you can get a, a very gentle, you know, microfiber cloth or a muslin. Muslins are tend to be a little bit more abrasive. So um, that, you know, microfiber might be better if you do have super sensitive skin, because again, we don't want to just work backwards and and have you feeling squeaky clean again. So yeah, that's just something to bear in mind. And I think in terms of who this cleanser is for, we recommend it to our clients, like I said, who have reactive skin. And we kind of talked about the person that it's for. So reactive skin, those who have eczema, rosacea, uh, very, very good winter product, I will say. Um, you know, in, in the winter months where you might get skin that's a little bit flaky, it's really great. So I think that there are a lot of people who can use it. You actually technically, I don't know if you guys say this, but you could technically use it if you have more combo to oily skin as well, if your skin is sensitive, but you might, because you have that excess oil flow, just want to use a microfiber or something to make sure that you're kind of, you know, getting a deeper clean. Well, it's like you're adding one over to me here, Megan, because we actually launched a product just at the end of last year called the Hydrating Cream to Foam Cleanser. And this is basically for that hydrating cleanser user who wants the foam feeling. So I didn't even mean to do still that. that lovely <laughs> but it's true. You guys did launch it. I didn't. That wasn't part of my, my plan. But yes, it's so true. That one. I really like that one. I use that one, too, on my body as well. I really love that. Yeah, it, it's lovely and and uh, like that if you ever want a day where you just feel a little bit more of a deeper clean but you will never feel that that tightness after using it either which is just quite nice so for some people they they crave that nice kind of hydrated feeling after as for others want to feel that um no film on the skin and then, then you'd go for the cream to foam yeah i feel like for a combination skin that one is like the sweet spot because it's the because you guys also have the foaming cleanser which i think for for combos that lean more towards the dry side it actually might be a little bit too much 
So that's a very good sweet spot in between. I think, yeah, so that's a good option. And then you also have the essay smoothing, which we're not going to talk. It's not one of our unboxing products, but that one is really good for, sorry, I'll, I'll hand it over to you who, who it's good for, but we recommend it for people who are having breakouts that also have like dryness, for example. Um, that's a really good one because it doesn't, we know because of, because of the brand, we do know that it's not going to strip this barrier back, like a lot of acne cleansers. So is that what it's designed for? Yeah. So we're talking about the SA uh, smoothing cleanser now. Yeah. So that one does has, as the name would suggest, salicylic acid in it. Um, so it is actually, it's a face and body product um, designed for skin that, you know, needs a bit of uh, of, of exfoliation. Um, it would be probably one of the stronger products in the range. So it would be like um, for someone who is like oily prone skin, also maybe prone to, to acne as well. Um, and yeah, it does give you that uh, kind of a deeper cleanse for somebody who who really feels they need it to kind of remove those uh, hyperkeratotic um, skin, the, just the dead skin cells on the top of the skin. Also, so we mentioned um, acne and oily prone skin. And also, I think nice to know as well that even if you fall into an, an oily prone skin category, if you're taking medication, for example, that renders your skin quite dry. So, for example, um, in the States called Accutane over here, Camille Roaccutane, like drugs like this, um, isotretinoin is the, the drug name. Sometimes the skin can become very dry as a result of using those medications. And so we would recommend if someone's looking for um, a cleanser to use something like the hydrating cleanser in that case, because even though you're technically in the oily skin category, you probably do need um, to have something a bit more hydrating uh, to support the use of the, the medication as well. So it's always good to, I mean, I'm sure you do this all the time with your, your consultations. When someone comes in, you have to know what else they're taking or, or what else they're undergoing at that time. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, definitely part of the process is when people come to us um, who already are using a lot of people in the States use something like different, you know, that kind of like retinol, but also it's treating, you know, acne, even things like that. You have to be careful with what you're pairing it with because it's just too much for the skin. So in those cases, we would go towards more of like a creamy, um, you know, gentle cleanser or like the hydrating cleanser. Just in our consultations, basically, it, it is really important to to understand the whole routine. And I think even for you guys, for your products, it's great because we can kind of slot in these foundation products, which is what I would say you you guys have a great range of foundation products that you can really, you can build out a full routine for sure. But they're also great to supplement other actives because they're not going to be basically messing with the skin barrier. So that's why these cleansers are great. Um, but like you said, the Essay Smoothing Cleanser, which is a little bit new in the UK, but it has been in the US for a while. And it's under a different name in the US, isn't it? It's a similar similar name, um, but I think it, it might be slightly different. Uh, but it definitely has SA in it. I think it might be like the SA Foaming Cleanser or something like that. But I'm obviously was more familiar with the US products. Um, and so I think that you just have to remember that's one of the stronger products in the range and to make sure that you're not overdoing it. So why don't we actually, while we're talking about SA, why don't we talk about that SA smoothing cream? Because I think that for wintertime and even for those who are just prone to this keratosis pilaris, which has a horrible nickname, chicken skin, I hate it. It's a horrible name. I don't know who came up with it. Let's just call it KP because it's better um, than chicken skin. Uh, but what what is this this kind of cream, and who who should be you know considering using it? Yeah. So I mean, unfortunately, I know I know why it's called chicken skin because the skin looks a bit like, unfortunately, a freshly plucked chicken when it's when you suffer from KP. Um, and essentially, what's happening? I I, I kind of sometimes liken it. I mean. 
to um, it's keratosis pilaris, obviously. And we, we've basically got this keratin plug that has formed and you kind of almost have a perfect marriage of like a little bit of excessive oil meets really dry skin. And you've got a clog on the skin that kind of causes this redness, this bumpiness. And we're not exfoliating the skin naturally as, as quickly as we should. So essentially what we need to do here is and not only moisturize and nourish the skin, but we also need to exfoliate it. So it's like it's a two-pronged approach of what we have to do here. So in terms of the ingredients that are in the um, SA smoothing cream, we have, again, the SA, the salicylic acid, and we also have some lactic acid in there as well. But we have a really cool ingredient called urea that doesn't get an awful lot of airtime. And basically, this is like, it's a really potent humectant, so it helps to really hydrate the skin. But at the same time, it's, it's an acid in its own right. So it has this sort of... Um, it has a kind of a slightly exfoliative effect by the virtue of how it acts in terms of hydrating the skin. So the combination of both of these um, are really good. And of course, it has the ceramides and the MVE technology again. So this combination together essentially will help to kind of soothe, exfoliate, hydrate, and nourish the skin. So not only in areas, so we'd often see um, KP present in the likes of um, tops of the shoulders outside of the arms and the tops of the legs and, and sometimes on the bum as well but um also we get rough areas of skin on the rest of the body too right so we get it on the elbows and the knees and the heels the feet uh, so this is a great one as you say in winter time as well when we kind of get this sort of like scaly um lizardy type of skin sometimes in the winter time and uh yeah it's really good for for kind of a deep nourishment um of the skin as well where i would often recommend this over say for example the plain moisturizing range is if if i look at the skin and i see that there's almost like an exfoliation needed in addition to hydrating, then that's when I would go in with um, something like the smoothing cream. And how often should you use this product? I mean, I know for those who have KP, maybe you want to use it more often, but for the for the kind of person who's just wanting a little bit of exfoliation and kind of to boost their, because I think our body skin gets really neglected. And even I find myself, like I will do a full morning and nighttime routine. I've gotten a lot better about my morning routine. That was like my new year's resolution was to be better about my morning routine because I was just like slapping on SPF pretty much on days where I was rolling out of bed, like one minute before I needed to be on a zoom call, but, um, I'm being better about my morning routine. So I think for people who are just, maybe they're trying to incorporate this as a, a more treatment, body treatment to give themselves that boost, when would they use it and how often should they use it? Or can it be used every day? It can be used every day. Absolutely. So once or twice a day. And I think it brings it back brings us back to something we said earlier in the conversation, which is kind of listen to your skin and listen to your, your look at what it's doing. And I think you make a really good point. We do neglect our body skin sometimes. Um, we look in, in, especially with all these like uh, Zoom calls, et cetera, that we're doing, we're looking at our face all day and thinking, oh, I need to get an eye cream or I need to hydrate a bit more. Or you see a spot emerging, and like, okay, I'm going to deal with that now this evening. And so we, we get much more targeted, but with the, the poor body, we're not, um, we can be a bit neglectful of it. So taking a look at at how your body's responding to the the moisturizer as well is it working for you like you know um just because we've um we've bought it are we actually using it um are we applying it are we applying it liberally enough and frequently enough so with something like that, you can get in there with twice a day, morning and evening, if you know if the skin is extremely dry. Um, you can then, and, and you can get to a stage, and this is what we talked about, if you can bring the skin barrier back to where it's at its best and, and behaving best, then you might be able to bring it right back to just once a day application. And then even less frequently, maybe it's just when you have your shower every two days or something like that, you know. Um, that this is kind of the goal. It's always to try and bring the skin barrier back to its optimum state so that it can behave the best way and, and continue to protect your body and protect your skin. Exactly. And I think that what we forget is that so many skin problems actually are caused because we are doing too much to our skin. We're over, over, you know, 
I don't know, cleansing it, over exfoliating it, just doing too much. And so by streamlining your skincare regime and respecting your skin barrier, some of these issues that you're having may actually just go away by default. So just remember that too, is by listening to your skin and really focusing in on what's, you know, say, okay, do you know what, am I using products that have a million exfoliants in them? Do I need to strip this back to something like, I don't know, very basic cleanser or a very basic moisturizer or something like that? That will get rid of problems. It it does, you know, so I think that it's just something to consider too which will help to transition into the the next thing, which is the moisturizing lotion. So we've talked about this more targeted, more, more treatment, which for me, I probably treat it more as a treatment just because, I, again, like I said, my morning routine was my New Year's resolution, but now I'm going to work more on my body routine too. I need to somehow incorporate that in because I think that it's neglected. But talk to me about the moisturizing lotion, which also, also can be used on your body too. But what is what is different about it and why is it great for the skin? Who's it good for? So the CeraVe moisturizing lotion. Yes, this is absolutely one of my favorite products in the range. So we have two products that are both designed for moisturizing. We've got the moisturizing lotion and the moisturizing cream, both body products, but can actually also be used on the face if, if um, people want to. The thing I like about both of these, and I kind of, I class them both together because it depends on my mood, right? <laughs> they both have the, ceramide, the ceramides, obviously the MVE technology. They also both have niacinamide, hyaluronic acid, glycerin. So they've got all the good stuff in there, just in varying amounts, um, and which results in their different presentations. So the lotion is a little bit lighter and the cream is a little bit richer. But really interestingly, studies show that they're both as effective as each other in terms of hydrating the skin. So really, it's about whatever is best for the user, the end user, consumer, the patient. And this is something particularly in my role as in, in, in the medical kind of side of things, is that um, you'll often hear a doctor say, well, look, the best moisturizer is the one that the patient will use, you know, and they can buy the best one. But if it stays on the shelf and doesn't get used, then we've got a problem. So offering uh, people a choice for one that suits them, um, this is this is the ideal scenario. And particularly, I like the lotion because um, it's in a pump. And you just um, I, I do a pump per limb is is my my go to out of the shower. It makes it really easy. <laughs> um, and then also I, I really recommend it. And I'm not saying this about myself now, but for anyone with a hairy body, uh, it's great uh, that they can uh, moisturize. It's so really popular with guys as well um, who need to moisturize their their legs. And sometimes they can find that moisturizers sit on top of the hairs of the legs, which can be really difficult um, to moisturize. Same for bodies as well. So I like them both for that reason. And then the other interesting thing is, despite the efficacy and the hydration and the fact that they're also suitable for eczema prone skin, they don't sit on the skin like traditional occlusive emollients. They actually really go go right in to the point where, and, and I'll come out and admit it on a personal note here, I am an eczema sufferer and I have been since I was in my teens. And I've always been used and I've been really diligent about my, my moisturizing to the point where I've got back to my skin barrier being in pretty good nick and only now I'll get the occasional flare. Um, but with, with the moisturizing lotion, if I'm really honest, the first time I tried it, I was dubious because I was so used to using a greasy moisturizer on my skin that I got a bit apprehensive and nervous about this moisturizer that was going in my skin and then just disappearing. I thought, oh, this isn't this isn't going to work for me, you know? Yeah, but you actually, were thinking that it's not enough, which I think that some people can feel like with that. I think that some people are like, oh, but it's not, is this enough? Like it's very light, right? Exactly. Yeah. And and actually what I found over time is that, and, and I, I mentioned this um, when we were speaking previously, that because of this MVE technology, you know, you get four times more ingredients delivered into your skin because of the technology and how it's delivered. So you're not losing it to your clothes, um, et cetera. It's actually going into the skin. And and the best way I can kind of describe it is it almost like inverts and like continues to deliver into the skin all day long. So I can basically get dressed really quickly afterwards and, um, you know, 
putting on tights, putting on leggings, anything like that isn't a problem. And my skin That's is really important. well moisturized. <laughs> totally. No, because, you know, getting into bed, one of my biggest things that I hate about like doing my like body lotion is I'm a night shower. I shower in the morning and at night sometimes just because I'm not a morning person. And so when I shower at nighttime and then I want to do my whole like, you know, just like put lotion on and moisturize, I hate when you get in bed and it's sticky. It's the worst thing. So this one doesn't do that basically. No, no, exactly. It, it um, it's, it's just super practical, which is another reason that I just absolutely love it. I mean, with, with CeraVe, the, the thing I just really love about this brand is that it does exactly what it says. I mean, look at the name, Ceramides MVE Technology. And then you look at the product. What does it do? It's moisturizing lotion. It's moisturizing cream, like super straightforward. Um, and, and that's exactly what it does. Yes. And so I want to talk about that because I think that, the, you know, those are kind of the three products that we were talking about. And I think that they really actually are very literal. There isn't all of this marketing jargon around them. It's it very it's very clear on the front. It'll say, you know, has hyaluronic acid in it, niacinamide. Like it's very clear what ingredients, you know, are highlighted inside. And the formulation list is not overly long either. You know, you you can see like the ingredients list isn't like taking up the entire box, which for a lot of people that's important, you know? And I think I like that this marketing is kind of stripped back and you're not seeing, you know, these fancy, really confusing names, not really understanding what it does. Now there is a label on there that I want to ask you about. So it's a dermatological brand, which you guys, um, that's one of your kind of unique selling points, I think, is that it is so dermatology and science focused. And that was the title of our episode as all well, dermatology, science and ceramides. And so I want to go into that dermatology tested dermatological. What does that mean? Because some people are misusing this term. And so I want to talk about how you guys aren't because I think it's important to highlight that. And that's one of the reasons that we wanted to do this with you guys, because we do feel like you're transparent about the way that your products are tested. So can you talk about that that and what it means to you? Sure. Um, well, I think you make a really good point there. And it is important. Um, sometimes buzzwords can be used and um, and misused by by companies. But I think that for us, it, what it says uh, right under our logo is developed with dermatologists, which is exactly what happens. So as you can, like at the very beginning, um, I told you about the, it was um, Professor Chris Hensby, dermatologist, who came up with this, in, you know, head of R&D um, and, and was involved in the creation of, of CeraVe as we know it in this MVE technology. And any range that gets created um, or any new product that comes out is designed with dermatologists. It's exactly how how it is uh, it's created. So, I mean, it, it is what it says. And then anytime we, we make a claim, we have to be obviously very transparent and we substantiate it. Um, so if it's number one dermatologist recommended brand, you, you can be sure that there is a very strong study that's been carried out, a survey that's been carried out with an appropriate amount of, of dermatologists representative of the community um, of dermatologists to, to back that up. Um, it's something that we really believe in because we want to be as transparent as possible uh, with everybody. And and like like you say, it's, it's on the label. It's, it is as it is. Yeah. And I want to highlight this too. I think that you guys probably wouldn't necessarily highlight this as much because it's, it does, I, I think it's maybe not on the forefront of your mind, but like in, in terms of indie brands, like indie brands and kind of smaller brands and up and coming brands, they aren't, there isn't as much red tape per se as there is for a brand like CeraVe because A, they're L'Oreal brand. And so, you know, I think that what people don't get is that, of course, you know, L'Oreal owns a bunch of different companies, but what that also means is that they have to be very careful about what they say. 
Um, and so there is a lot of regulation that goes into what you guys can and cannot say, what you can and cannot do in terms of before and afters. And so with that, you kind of know that this, you know, what you're seeing on social media and what you're seeing the brand advertise has been regulated really closely. And also regulators are looking at you guys first because you're big brand, you know? And so I think that there is something to be said for that. And I know that, you know, there's a little bit of distrust, I think, with marketing and things like that in the industry, generally speaking. And that's why we're here, you know, to try to help people to navigate this very confusing industry that can be a little bit deceiving at times. But in this case, I think it's very true that you guys don't misuse the term and it is used by dermatologists. I mean, the reason that I knew about the brand in the first place in America was because of my dermatologist. Everyone kind of in America, they have dermatologists they go to, and it's just part of our kind of routine. You go to the dentist, you go to the dermatologist. And so this is a brand that I've been familiar with for a long time. And it was when I first moved here, I couldn't get it here. So, um, you know, that was really interesting. So yeah, I think that just highlighting the fact that saying number one dermatologist recommended is there's a lot of thought process that goes behind that because there's no technically a brand could say that and wouldn't, there isn't that much regulation around it. Right. And it's not like someone's going to come for them because you can say a lot on a, on a product and actually people would be shocked how much you can say without there being regulation. People can say dermatologist tested just because they gave it to a dermatologist and the dermatologist tested it. Doesn't mean the dermatologist likes it. You're right. I mean, we, we operate with um, very strong ethics, you know, and uh, we will always make sure and we've got very strong um, internal scientific and regulatory bodies who would always check all of the labeling claims we make, um, anything like that. And, and another thing as well, I think that it's quite interesting, particularly when you talk about like dysfunctions of the skin barrier and particularly in a pathology type of fashion. So if you're talking about medical conditions such as eczema, acne and things like that, you know, we have to be very careful because these are actually skin pathologies. And then there is a line that has to be respected between a cosmetic and a medicine. And, you know, there's all sorts of regulations out there. And, you know, um, if a product is making very strong claims that it's going to like absolutely reduce, you know, inflammation or reduce oil and all this kind of stuff, then really kind of you're getting into um, medical territory there. So, you know, I, I would always be just quite careful and cautious when I see claims like this. You know, there are bodies out there that are governing this, the MHRA, the CTPA, like there's a, a bunch of organizations that are, are designed to make sure that consumers are given the correct information um, that is relevant. Particularly, we don't want to take advantage of anyone who's got a skin condition. So what you'll notice is it's, with our language and stuff, be quite careful to say this is also suitable for patients with eczema also suitable for patients with acne because it has you know has been tested on them but we wouldn't be able to make claims saying that this will cure and treat um but we're, we're always talking about respecting the skin barrier getting the skin back in good condition so that you know if they do need to take medications etc that these products can be used adjunctively alongside it very very well exactly and i think that that's yeah very important to highlight i think you know, what you have to do is with brands, because brands do, you know, if they're going to say there's a clinical study, go and look who did the study. You know, you can, you can be, you can go and do some research about these studies that brands do and how many, when they say 80% of people, you know, felt their skin was smoother, who are those people? 80% of what? Is it 80% of 10? Is it 80% of, you know, 800? What, what are the numbers there? And so you can, if you, if you are interested and you guys are, are good about that, I mean, you have to be, um, so you can go look at those studies and see and, and see what where those claims are coming from because you guys are, are transparent about that. And yeah, I just wanted to highlight it. And I know it's a little bit controversial, but I, I think that it's important to to say because, yeah, there's just a lot out there. There's a lot of marketing out there. 
Well, what you guys are doing is really good. I mean, I, I like um, what, what you're, you're achieving with your podcast as well as you're like you're myth busting and you're asking the, the questions that people are wondering and you're helping to decode and make it transparent for people. And and I think consumers are intelligent people. You know, we're, we're all con- I'm a consumer, you're a consumer. We're all, we're all smart and we all want the best thing for our skin. And so we want to be able to make informed decisions to do this. And so when you say that as well about like, you, know, you should look up and see what when a consumer's when there's a claim on a product. You know what what is it um, talking about? Or what what is the fact behind it? What's the science behind it? Or the study behind it? Um, sometimes it could be a small group, but look at the quality of the study that was carried out. You know, and what were the conditions? Was it done in a lab? You know, in that case, obviously it carries a lot more weight than um, consumers who answered an online questionnaire, for example. You know, like it varies, um, but it is important that we we kind of. Um, and, and as industry, like you say, being part of a large industry, we take the responsibility very seriously to make sure that we are being transparent with our with our consumers. So thank you for for bringing it up. Actually, you're right. It's not something we shout about, but we appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I just think, I mean, that's like like everyone will know we're not um, being paid to promote brands on this podcast. Well, I don't know if everyone knows that, but if you're listening to this episode, then you'll know now. Um, we're not paid to promote. We are doing a giveaway with survey. That's all we're doing. You know, in terms of like for our followers and stuff. And so this is, um, yeah, it's, it's all about transparency and some of the opinions that we have in these podcasts, you know, we get DMS and, you know, people are asking more questions and people are saying, Oh, is this really true? Or, Oh, I thought this or, Oh, for my skin, you know, this worked really well. And so I do think that it's, you know, maybe, I don't know, raising people's awareness and also bringing attention to things that there's a lot of confusing information. So, and it's nice to hear directly from brands too, because then we can ask the questions um, and we can, I guess, uncover this, this kind of stuff. And I think just hearing too about how CeraVe was started and that it actually was formulated with dermatologists rather than formulated and then given, you know, to a dermatologist to just kind of give their check mark, which is what some brands who say they're dermatologist tested do is really important. And it's a good um, message. And I think anyone in the industry will know that CeraVe is a great great range. It's very um, established. It's a trusted brand. And, you know, we recommend it a lot just organically. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to speak today. I really thank you so much for, for being here and sharing your knowledge. You obviously have a lot of, of knowledge. I mean, all of these sciencey words too, like I said earlier, I can't even say MBE and you're pronouncing these long words and I read ingredients lists every day. I do try, but sometimes I have to, you know, really sound it out. Um, so yeah, it's been really great. Thank you so much, Laura. Is there anything else that we've missed out on that we want to highlight? I don't know. I think uh, I think it's been a pretty uh, it's it's been lovely chatting to you actually, and and thank you for bringing up um, some of these topics. I just think what you're doing is I don't know. I've, I've already said this, but I really think what you're doing is is excellent in terms of um, educating consumers. And and this is this is something in terms of you asked me previously about like how we market to brands, and I think so much is sort of online conversations that are happening, and it's important that we get the correct information uh, to the right people to make sure that it is being communicated correctly because a bit of he said she said uh you know isn't uh, isn't necessarily great and and i think informing consumers um yeah and sometimes you kind of have these uh what do you call like insta versus reality like oh someone used that product and i'll look like them if i use it but that's not necessarily the case it's important that we educate and understand our skin and then find the best solutions Exactly. And I think hopefully if you guys have taken anything from this, it's to respect your skin barrier, make sure that you're picking your cleanser properly and that you are incorporating ingredients like ceramides, which actually have been used, you know, for a long time, but now they're just coming uh, to be highlighted because I think barrier health and skin barrier health and actually what ceramides are and what they do is really important. Um, And it's being highlighted now as kind of a buzzy ingredient, but it has been, it's not necessarily 
as new as people probably think. And so I, I'm glad that we were able to highlight that ingredient here too and the science behind it and obviously the kind of technology that you guys deliver these ingredients with, which I, you know, I think also can be confusing because you may think it's an ingredient. So there you go. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Laura. And guys, if you have any questions, please slide into our DMs. I'm sure that Survey also you can slide into their DMs or ask questions. They post a lot of educational content and information on their products on their Instagram page too. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening and don't hesitate to contact us if you have any question. You can reach us on DM on leon.ldn or email us at hello at leonldn.co.uk. Don't forget to check out our website for more info on our virtual consultations and for bookings. It's time your skincare earned its place on your bathroom shelf.